Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. You can also listen to episodes on our church YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today and happy Pentecost Sunday. And uh, Pentecost uh, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. A scripture that came to my mind when thinking about Pentecost is Acts 2 verse 38, which says, Peter answered them, all of you must turn to God and change the way you think and act. And each of you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. And certainly, Pastor Margaret, the presence of the Holy Spirit living in our lives is a gift to us. I mean, Jesus said in the Bible, I'm here, but it's better that I go to the Father so that not only will I be with you, but I can send my Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. Yeah, for sure. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? And it's one of those things we can't explain, right? Right. Um, It's a by faith thing. Um, We can't, of course, we can't see God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. And so we have this faith uh, that when we accept Christ, we get all of Jesus. And um, making that profession of faith is so important. But we believe that it's a journey. It doesn't stop there. It's a journey um, that will be renewed, made more like Christ as we walk with Him. And, you know, we come to Christ. I think about when I was baptized and came to Christ, I was carrying a lot of brokenness. And it has been a journey, but the Lord has absolutely been with me. And I do believe that I got every bit of Jesus you know, right. when I accepted him, when I was baptized, um, made that profession of faith. But there's more, right? right. It's just right. like a good infomercial, but right. there's more, you know. Right. Um, but there is actually more, right. not more of the same thing, uh, but more of God's goodness and restoration in our lives. But there's to be filled with the Spirit is, it's really humbling to think that God would, would do that for us. Right. Um, just being filled with the Spirit. You talk about being filled with the Spirit, and we can't see Him physically, but we know, we feel His presence in our life. It's kind of like the wind. We can't see the wind, but we can feel the wind, and we can see the effects of the wind. And that's kind of how I feel like, you know, being filled with Jesus and also being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Mm -hmm. We might not be able to explain it, but, you know, if you experience it personally, you can't doubt it. It's undeniable in our lives. And uh, John the Baptist says in the Bible, he says, I baptize with water, but one is coming after me that will baptize with fire. And the Holy Spirit is that fire that burns within us. Yes. Yeah, I think back to those early days of my faith where I had accepted Christ and wanted to give my life up 100% in my mind. Right. You know, but it took me a while to get that in my heart. Right. That head knowledge of understanding that. And I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I can remember, like, I loved Jesus, but there was some things in the world that I still loved maybe more. 
Well, they probably so. Um, <laughs> or I wouldn't mm-hmm. have still been leaning on those crutches in my life. And I just, as you know, we talk about in um, the Wesleyan faith and Nazarene faith, um, our doctrine about, yes, we accept Christ, but then there's this surrender that comes mm-hmm. and where we we give up our right to ourselves. And, and really that giving up the right to what we want is something that it's a daily surrender, but there is a time and place where we realize, hey, I really, I really just need to, I really need to give this up. I really need to surrender everything to God. And I remember coming to a point where I realized that some of the things of the world that I had ran after, I didn't want anymore. They had no appeal, no appeal where they had such a grasp on my life before. And that's what happens when we surrender, because I guess I could say it like this. There were some rooms in my life. There were some things that were off limits to God. There were some things I was still holding on to. Like he could have part of my life, but there were some other parts of my life that I just really wasn't interested in giving up because honestly, it was just something I was clinging to, uh, believing that life would just not be as fun or life would not be the same But I finally came to that point of going, you know what, Lord, you can have it all. You can have every room of my life. I just need, I need it all cleaned out because it's not taking me to good places. And that's when I got all of Jesus when I accepted Christ. But when I emptied all the rooms of the yuck of my own life and gave him my entire being that I, I surrendered even those things that I had held on to, that's when God gets all of me. And that's when the Spirit has like full sway in our life, full. He can, does that mean that things won't happen, that I will not do something I shouldn't? Like we're still human. But with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, my thought is that we would live more like Jesus more of the time than less, you know? I don't know if that makes any yeah. sense. We can't look like the world if we have Jesus living in us. He guides and directs us, and there should be something different, noticeably different in our lives, in our actions, that people say, what's different about that person? Like, what makes you different? And that we can say, Jesus lives in us. The Holy Spirit yeah. lives in our lives. And you were talking about the different rooms, and we have to be surrendered in every area of our life, you know, When we get saved, we have all of him, but he also wants all of us. Right. And I've heard uh, Dad talk about this before. There's difference in God's permissive will and God's perfect will. What we should want as believers, we should want God's perfect will in Mm -hmm. our lives, which means that we want what he wants not mm-hmm. what we want. And that's easier said than done Absolutely. because we're human. Like you that's said. right. We're human. We have a human nature where we think we know what's best for us. But really, God sees the whole picture. He sees up ahead what we can't see. We tried to tell the Creator how we should be molded. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Hey, I'm a piece of clay. I'm going to tell you how to mold me. Like, what would you do if you sat down at a potter's wheel and all of a sudden the clay looks up at you and goes, Hey, this is what I want to be today. I want to be a teacup, not a coffee mug. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. you don't do that. Right. God has a plan for us. And when we surrender, that's when he can, that we're moldable and pliable. We become 
clay in his hands that he can do something with instead of going, well, no, this is what I want because this is going to be better. And that's just not the way God works. Um, And so, yeah, it's a journey. It's not you and I have not arrived and we won't until we are in glory. But I think that, and I want to say this too, we can surrender something and believe, hey, I've surrendered that. And I'm good with it. I'll never pick it up again. And maybe we don't. But all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this place where we're struggling with the same thing. And I believe that we, not that we pick it back up again, but that God is healing us on a deeper level. He's wanting us to go deeper with him. And so he just takes another layer of that onion, you know, and peels it off. And it hurts sometimes when we feel like we've failed but God will use that to take us and heal us deeper. Right, Pastor Margaret, you had had some thoughts on fear and some of the things God had spoken to you. And certainly, as humans, we all have fear and anxiety, you know, especially in the world we live in today. And really the only way to combat that, so to speak, is by having Jesus living in us, having the Holy Spirit living in us, you know, knowing that... He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Absolutely. And that's why Jesus ascended to heaven so the Holy Spirit could come and take up residence in us. And it's not that we'll never fear or that we'll never have anxiety. When you look at Scripture, all through the New Testament and the Old Testament, you're going to see that God's people struggled with fear and anxiety, being overwhelmed. It was a part of... Of that, So I did a little bit of a study on that, and it didn't take me long to figure out where it all started. So Adam and Eve sinned. In Genesis, we read where Adam and Eve sinned, and the very next thing is they felt shame. The very first thing is they felt shame, which don't we struggle with that? And then when God calls to them, they realize they are naked and afraid. Sin entered the world, and fear came on its heels. I mean, right on the heels of sin. Being full of shame and fear are the two things that are crippling our world today and the believers. And I know that there's anxiety. I'm not making light of anyone who's struggling, uh, but I just want to proclaim today that God is over fear. He's over anxiety. Jesus' death and resurrection... Him going to the cross, becoming a sacrifice for sin, is enough. And the name of Jesus is over fear. And it's over anxiety. And it's something we have to trust him for. It's not going to look the same for all of us. But I believe that is why when in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. And, you know, we have in Scripture 365 times that we're told, do not fear, be of good courage, have faith, because I think we need to know that every day of the year. Like, it is important. It is that important that we hear that. And so that makes me pay attention. Now, there's been a couple times in my life, and actually especially over the last year, that I have struggled with some anxiety, which really bothered me because maybe I've been a little bit prideful in saying I didn't struggle with that. And I'll tell you, the first time that I, I've had panic attacks 
and this is just a funny story. I was in choir here. I may have told this story on here before, but I was in choir, and Pastor Joe would call on anybody. And this was back in the early 2000s. Pastor Joe would he would call on anybody uh, that wasn't in their chair would come time for choir practice. And so I, being a talkative person, would get to choir practice, and then I would check on people and see how they were doing and just, you know, walk across the room to have a conversation. And uh, it was time to start one day, and Pastor Joe said, well, I guess Margaret wants to pray since she's not in her chair. And when I went to pray, like, there was, like, bricks on my chest, and I could not even breathe. Like, I could hardly have enough breath to even get that prayer out. And I was talking to a friend later, and she was like, you had a panic attack. And I'm like, really? I didn't even know what they were. And so it was only a few probably weeks or month or so later um, same thing happened. I'd gotten out of my chair to go ask somebody how a family member was doing, and Joe walks in to start choir practice, and he goes, well, I guess Margaret wants to pray today since she's not in her chair. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And my friend looks over at me, and she goes, don't have a panic attack. Well, guess what happened? Full force. I struggled through again. And, you know, I think about what would my life have been like if I would have never prayed again? What if I would have never prayed with another person? Where would, what would my life be today? Because God has used me to pray over a lot of people over the years. And I just want to say, I believe that some of God's greatest blessings in our life are right on the other side of our fear. Because we would not have fear if the enemy didn't know that there was something in our future that would be better that would draw us closer to God. And so a few I don't know, over the last year, I've struggled with some anxiety. And I told this story recently, um, but I'll tell it here today just because I think there's people listening today that they might not have the same experience that I had, but they can identify those feelings um, that they um, struggle with. And so this was, I don't know, it's been probably a month month and a half now as we're listening um, today. And I I had a sore foot. Well, I'll start like this. So I woke up in the middle of the night and at my age, I have these personal tropical moments. The females around 50, 55 years old know exactly what I'm talking about. And I wake up and I just feel like I'm going to burst into flames. And I go to get out of bed and I have a sore foot. And I was trying to really favor that foot. So as I took my next step with my other foot, I had not put my shoes away and there was a pair of heels in the bedroom floor and I stepped on it. And when I did, I stumbled and fell down really hard on my sore foot. And so, you know, I'm about to burst in flames. My foot's hurting. And about that time, the enemy just floods me with all of these thoughts, thoughts of some things that I hadn't done with excellence because I'm kind of a maximizer and I want to do things right. Some things that hadn't went quite like I wanted them to go. I started thinking about things that I needed to do that I hadn't done yet. Of course, our good friend Renee had passed not too long before that and I was in grief for that. And it was like in that moment, there was this perfect storm that the enemy came at me with all the stuff. It was like, just on me. And I just melted into a puddle of tears on the floor. And my friend, Camelot, told me this one time, Pastor Camelot, who was on staff here and is now at Newport News Church, the Nazarene, she had said one time that, you know, you can have a pity party, but you have to invite one person, Jesus. 
And, um, you know, this is inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting God to your situation. And that's what I did in that moment. Like, I just sat there and I went to the Lord in the midst of it because it was a flood of emotions that hit me. And in that, God met me so personally in that moment. It was a moment that the only way I can explain it, it was clearly on vision of what the enemy was trying to do to me, like trying to get me to believe that my worth was in what I've not done right, what I still need to do, getting me to think about the past and the future while robbing me of my sleep and the peace that passes all understanding. And God just opened my eyes in that moment to see that so clearly and really done a work in my life that night that I've not been the same. Like the the anxiety and all of that that I was feeling has dispelled. And that's not nothing in me, but it's in the Lord. Like he's the one that does that. And he didn't do it automatically the first time that it happened. I've been struggling with it for a while, but he did it. And that's Pentecost happened so that he could come in and take up residence in us and give us freedom like that. Um, The freedom, maybe not that that we want, but the freedom that we need. We don't even know to ask for that. But God gives us so much more than we could ever even think or ask for. Ephesians 3 tells us that. like He has abundant life for us, and we think that we are the clay. We're so much smarter than the Creator. And you're talking about the Spirit interceding for us, and we don't know what to pray for. The Bible says the Spirit intercedes on our behalf to the Father, and that's another thing that we can rely on the Spirit. When we don't know what to pray, we just trust Him. I remember one time my dad asked my grandmother, he said, what do you do when you can't pray? And she said, oh, Carrie, that's easy, trust. Right. So we got to trust in the Spirit. And if we don't know what to pray for, we can say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, like Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah, that's a, you know, Jesus said in the Garden when he was, right before he went to the cross, he said, Father, if you can take this from me, take it. Like, he didn't want to go to the cross. And the human side of Jesus wasn't excited about that. But praise God, he was divine. Like, he took that on. He took on our sin and our shame. And he went to the cross so that we could have what we have today. That we could be brought into the family of God. His sacrifice covers all sin. And it was full and finished when he went to the cross for us. He said, it is finished. And our part is to accept by faith that he is who he says he is and believe that he will come again for us. And, you know, when we look at how Jesus walked this earth and how he interacted with people and especially when there was fear. And one scripture that I've looked at a lot lately in Mark 5, where you have the woman who had the issue of bleeding. You have Jarius who comes and his daughter is sick. She hadn't passed away yet, but she's sick. And, you know, the woman had tried everything in the world for the healing that she needed with the issue of blood. She had tried everything and she only got worse. And she got desperate enough to come to Jesus. Isn't that the way we are? He's not sometimes the first place we go. But he's so gracious in that. And you see that in this picture. Here's a woman that's unclean, pressing through a crowd and reaching out and touching his garment. And power left him 
And she felt the healing in her because she stopped bleeding immediately. And when Jesus called her out, like she was trembling in fear, but still she put herself before Jesus. And he reinstated her in a beautiful way that she would have never been reinstated had he not done that in that moment. But here's Jarius standing over here and somebody comes along and says, hey, your daughter's died. And Jesus says to him, don't be afraid, just believe. That's all he said, like, don't be afraid, just believe. And man, that is one thing that would be really hard to say to someone who's full of fear. It would be almost a little condescending. Well, don't be afraid, just believe. But that was Jesus' words. And, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, we just, let's just pray. And I think, oh, I hate that I said, let's just pray, because prayer is more than just, right? right? But then I read those works in Mark 5, where he says to Jarius, don't be afraid, just believe. And it's kind of like, just do the next right thing. Right. Belief right now would be really good for you. So do that. Have faith. And, you know, there's times when we think about everything in the world other than just praying, right? right? And Jesus says, just pray. It is an action. And that's what we see in the story in Mark is two people that took action. A woman of no social status has been on the outskirts and isolated for 12 years. And a man who comes from the synagogue to Jesus That wasn't a popular stance either. And how desperate must he have been to go to Jesus, a Jewish leader, going to this guy that everybody's running out of town because he is doing the works of God and the Jewish people are not happy with him. He's getting run out of town and they'll later treat him so inhumanely. And But this Jewish leader comes to the end of his rope. And comes to Jesus. And you see the social elite and the social outcast both in the need of Jesus and how he moved. And it all starts, faith starts with an action. And it builds. And it's not usually huge things that build our faith, but it's the little, they're little things. It's incremental almost. Those tender, intimate moments sitting on your bedroom floor in a pool of tears. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was me. But my faith grew in that moment when I decided where I would turn next. And his spirit comes and fills us. I love the scripture. And the first time that I read these words, I was actually, I think, deemed speechless in a Sunday school class uh, out of Ephesians 1. And the apostle Paul is talking and to the people in Ephesus, he's written this letter to them. I'm going to start reading in verse 17 because I think it'll make more sense. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen to this. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I could just stop there. And I'm going to stop there for just a second. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, that duname power, that's where the word dynamite comes from. It is an explosive power that's available. This is what we got at Pentecost, right? This is the same power. His word says, incomparably great power for us who believed. That is what he wants to fill us with as we surrender our life at all the rooms, all the places, and give him everything. Then he 
he can work in ways that we'll never, we're not even able to think about the things that he would love to do in our lives. Um, It says, so that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fulfills everything in every way. But even thinking about he's far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And that Like Jesus' name is over every other name. There's nothing new coming that Jesus isn't over. He's sovereign and he is in control. And so, yeah, I'm excited today that he would take up residence in what I've said before. When he took up residence in me, he took up residence in low-class housing, right? Like We, We can all say that. Right, right. Like he, he did that, he does that, and he will continue to do that until he comes again. And he has such grace with his children. I look at how he walked among people. He showed us how to walk. And, you know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have what we need to walk out our life in the fruit of the Spirit. And this is from Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So love, joy, peace, Patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, these are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what should come out of us when we're poked, right? right. It's not always because we are. Right. We still live in the flesh, but if we will seek Him, He will. He will not only give us what we need to live a life of godliness, but um, He will give us more than we could ever think or imagine. Well, when you talked about the fruit of the spirit and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and that when you know when we're squeezed or whatever, that's what should come out of us. Actually, in a recent uh, men's Bible study here at church, one of the guys that spoke, um, Bill Kingry, used the example of a sponge. You know, if we're filled with the Spirit when we're squeezed, we should drip Jesus. You know, it should be evident that he is in our life, you know, when troubles, when trials, when difficult times come. And Pastor Margaret, as you were talking about the woman Mm -hmm. uh, with the bleeding, and she had the faith Mm -hmm. just to touch Jesus. She had the faith that if she touched him, she could be healed. And, you know, when he felt that she had touched him, he felt power come out of him. And the disciples are like, there's all these people. How yeah. <laughs> how could you know just one person? But that's an example of he knows each and every one of us. Yeah. You know, he knows our situations. He loves and cares about each and every one of us just like that woman. Yeah. That is powerful. He knows. He is aware and he doesn't miss anything. Right. You know, he he is for us. He is not against us. 
And sometimes I think the enemy comes with shame and makes us believe that that's not true. Um, the enemy's always been out to undermine God. Um, and, you know, I think about the story of Elisha when his servant was with him and the servant looks out the window and he, you know, he looks around and they're surrounded by the enemy. And, you know, Elisha prays that the servant's eyes would be opened and they pray and he looks out and he goes, the servant says, there's more of us than there are of them. And that is still the case today. There is a war in the heavenlies. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of darkness. And in Christ, we walk from victory, not towards right. it. We already have the victory. Right. We have all The war has already been won, and we have a free will to decide and to choose whether we want to believe that Jesus is who he says he is or if we're going to go on our own wisdom. Amen. And Pastor Margaret, this has been a great conversation today, and uh, uh, we pray that you have found hope as you've heard us talk today about Pentecost and receiving the Holy Spirit, and that we don't have to fear, um, not that we can't fear, because right. uh, that we can get through the <laughs> yes. fear. We can come out on the other side of fear, and we should share this good news with others around us. Acts one eight says, you will receive the Spirit. The Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses mm. in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're to share this good news of Christ, to share this good news of the Holy Spirit, to share this good news of Him, the Holy Spirit, living in us. So Amen. we pray that today's broadcast of Hope Talks has truly been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hope Talks. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe for all the updates and latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg or Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.